Welcome to We Gotta Talk, a live weekly talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. From health to relationships to alternative lifestyles and more, the one thing you will always get is a deep dive. I'm Sunny, a 15-year veteran of TV news, freelance writer, blogger, mom of three, and wife. But most of all, I'm just a die-hard oversharer, someone who's genuinely curious about, well, everything around me. And I can't wait for you to join in on these conversations that I promise will impact, inspire, and entertain you. Now, let's talk. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to We Gotta Talk. I'm Sunny. I'm so, so glad you're here for another deep dive into a really big topic today. So this episode is a continuation of a conversation we started last week with Noelle Moore. She's the founder of The Finley Project. And I have a trigger warning for you right at the top of this episode. We are dealing with the very difficult topics of infant and child loss today. So just a heads up that we will be diving deep into some really complicated feelings and issues today. So if you didn't listen to last week's episode, I really encourage you to do that very quickly. You'll hear Noelle's story. You'll hear why she founded this group that helps women deal with infant and child loss. And you'll hear her tell her just incredibly emotional story of how and why she came to start this group. So in this week's episode, we're going to take it beyond Noelle's personal experience, although we do delve back into that, her take on um, specific things that come up in conversation, anger, grief, the mourning process. Um, but we also are hearing from two mental health professionals. So here's a little bit more about today's guests. We have Chris Cavanaugh on the show. She is a licensed mental health counselor and the owner of Five Stones Counseling in Winter Springs, Florida. She specializes in the treatment of trauma and grief with an emphasis on child loss, and she's worked with the Finley Project for almost four years and is a proud board member. You'll also hear from Jenna Vandenberg. She holds a Master of Arts in Clinical Psychology with an emphasis in marriage and family therapy from Pepperdine University. She is a certified grief recovery specialist with specific training in perinatal mood disorders from the Postpartum Support International. And Jenna is currently in private practice, specializing in working with women in the reproductive and postpartum period. So these ladies are joining Noelle for a panel discussion today. You're going to hear this very real talk about the essential work that these counselors do helping women heal after what is typically one of, if not the biggest trauma of their lives. And it'll hopefully offer some hope to those women not only the women who have gone through this personally, but also people in positions of support around these women, giving us some practical things that we can do to help someone who might be in that awful and very difficult position. So this is a deep episode, but I am so, so glad you're here for it. Let's dig in. We're going to leave you on the panel here as we bring in two other experts to kind of speak to another aspect of this. So let's say hello, everybody, to Jeanette, uh, Jenna Vandenberg, not Janelle. Sorry, I almost renamed you, Jenna. <laughs> Jenna Vandenberg and Chris Cavanaugh, as I mentioned at the top. Um, Jenna is a psychotherapist and Chris Cavanaugh is a licensed mental health counselor. We will get to their credentials throughout the show, guys. And of course, we'll put links to their practices and things in show notes. So anything you want to know more about our panelists, you can always access there. Um, I don't know who wants to take this, Jenna or Chris, but I want to kind of jump off from the point that Noelle and I just left, which is women's health care and how that looks, 
how we treat new moms, how we treat pregnant women, and what you both see as lacking in the system right now. And whoever wants to grab that can. Do you want to start, Jenna? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, first off, it's really who is mothering the mother um, in this specific instance. So you get a mother who is grieving and it's like, who is her caretaker? And even I could take a step back on that and really look at mothers holistically, mothers who leave the hospital and go home. Um, it then becomes about the baby. So people are not really looking at like how to take care of the mother. There is, whether it's in the grief phase or in the physical phase where the mother is healing from um, giving birth, there has to be that plan. So moms are kind of on their own island once they do deliver a child, whether it is a loss or they have a baby at home, people aren't following up to check in on like the mental health care of a mom. They're not necessarily necessarily checking in beyond uh, the meal train and being there for the first couple of weeks. It's all about the baby. So there's definitely a disconnect and care from uh, not only medically, but just culturally as a whole. Yeah. And add on top of that, Chris, this stigma, which I do not understand for the life of me, that still exists around psychotherapy and counseling, um, which is why I speak out every week. I see a therapist. I love my therapist. They're the best. But um, do you share that frustration, Chris? And what have you seen that's either made you um, either more critical or more hopeful in either direction? Well, you know, I, I, I'm critical and more hopeful at the same time, because what I have noticed is that there seems to be a, a thing with moms now to make a birth plan. It has to be beautiful. It has to be serene. It has to be everything from the music to the essential oils. And part of what is not ever being told to put in that birth plan is what do I do if there's an emergency? And what do I do if I don't feel right? Because that birth plan becomes almost uh, my way or the highway. I said, this is what I wanted to do. So therefore I must do it without without the expectation of that could change because my body might do something different. My baby might do something different. As and someone whose birth plan failed, Chris, not only does it become a challenge, but it also can become your worst enemy and the source of PTSD and great trauma because yeah. really, truly what does go to plan in motherhood. And that to me, when you say that, it just deeply, deeply resonates. Mm. Yeah, birth plan is an expectation. It's a hoped for. And so often we see it in practice where um, the birth plan doesn't come to fruition. And truly what individuals should be talking about is, you know, assertive communication. Who's going to advocate for you? You know, Noelle said it so beautifully. It's like using your voice, using your intuition and speaking to that, like in the hospital. But it's assertive communication. You're mm -hmm. focused on... Um, giving birth, you're focused on your child in the hospital. And it's so it's identifying who is going to be your wingman or wingwoman in that particular period. Um, and then also um, having the expectation in the birth plan, but having the flexibility for it to change mm -hmm. when it needs to. And, and Chris, you were saying things that, that make you hopeful too. Um, has there been a major change in the way that the health system, and of course, I don't want to speak for every birth experience. I know there are plenty of home births and birth centers, but 
um, the experience that I think we're all referencing here is births within sort of bigger medical systems. But what has made you hopeful in that arena? Uh, that's a good question. I, I think where the hope comes from is that we are learning more. And when I talk to women, especially, I, I, I have the privilege to talk to most of the moms before they get into the program. And so I talk to moms all over the country and from tiny little hospitals to, to big hospitals. And I find that there, there is medical differences in those smaller ho hospitals, which Noelle alluded to, but women are advocating for themselves. They just don't know what to advocate for yet. They don't have the fullness of the puzzle, but they're using their voice. And, and they know now, here's how I'll use my voice in the future if I attempt another pregnancy, or here's how I'll use my voice for my friends and my neighbors who are pregnant. And so I, I think that is the hopeful place for me. Jenna, in addition to the question that Noelle mentioned already, which was for pregnant women to ask if there's an OB always present or always on staff at the hospital, what other questions do you encourage women to go into their birth center or hospital with so that should there be a complication or issue, they feel like they're getting answers and treatment? Um, one of the things would just be understanding the staff and that starts with the nursing staff. Like if, if I'm intuitively feeling like something is not right, who will be taking care of me? Um, when there's a shift change, if something comes up in that particular shift change, who do I go to? Um, so those are definitely two things. Also, another one would be, is there a mental health care uh, facilitator on property? I mean, typically hospitals have social workers. So if there becomes a loss or particular trauma, is there immediate support beyond just my OB or my midwife? Yeah. I mean, listen, as someone who, this is crazy, experienced, I don't know even how to phrase this. The nurse and the doctor were standing in front of my open legs as I was pushing, disagreeing about the level of my dilation and whether or not I needed to be wheeled into emergency surgery. I just want to scream. Like it was traumatizing. And that was a, a fraction of what Noelle and so many moms go through. Um, this isn't to diminish the amazing care that doctors and nurses provide because you know, everybody tries their best and I have been saved many a time by a nurse, and of course a doctor, but it did in retrospect really shock me that I thought that everything would be attended to. And yet here I was in a true emergency situation and they were arguing in front of my, in front <laughs> of my vagina about whether or not my baby should be pushed into this world or I should be in a, a C-section operating room. And it was, it did something to sort of, it made me a little more critical, I guess, of the way things were, Chris. And I don't want to be like that, but um, it's a testament to the fact that as wonderful as they are, doctors and nurses don't always have the exact answers as to what's happening with you. And we, and they don't know what's happening inside of our bodies. Mm -hmm. That's why we have to use our voice to tell them something doesn't feel right. And for a first time mom, they have no idea what they should be feeling. No. I mean, you're just literally focused on surviving and how, how do I, how do I get this, this baby in the world? Um, what is it? And um, I guess Chris, we'll start with you on this one again. That's unique to the type of mom that the Finley Project works with. As Noelle mentioned, they, you guys specialize, and I should have mentioned this earlier, but both Jenna and Chris 
counsel and work with moms who are affiliated with the Finley Project. So you guys have had your experiences with different moms in the program. But um, Chris, what is unique about the type of loss that these moms are suffering versus um, other instances? And again, Noelle said it was from 20 weeks gestation through two years old. I, you know, I don't think that there is anything unique. Um, I think the uniqueness is that they suffered a loss, which luckily is not something that most people get to or have to experience. Um, because we help people across the board um, from you know, they're 20 weeks pregnant and all of a sudden the baby's heart just stops for no reason. There's no, never any medical reason, unfortunately, all the way up to a two-year-old child. Those are different, different types of losses. And we help people um, not just you know, married, single, we, across the board, no matter what your need is, we're there for you, socioeconomic, race, it doesn't matter, religion, it doesn't matter. The uniqueness, I guess, would be that it's a shared experience. As one woman to another who has had a loss, like we're there for you. I tell people we want to, we just want to love you from the top of your head down to the bottom of your feet until you're ready to to move through, not not forward, but through. And you know, that can take a long time. Some people in the 12 weeks are uh, 12 weeks of counseling, they're like, I feel so much better. For some people, it could be a year or two years or three years. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have a stopping point and a starting point. That's what I was going to circle back on. So Jenny, your thoughts, and Noelle touched on this too, about grief looking different for every person. I think sometimes people who are experiencing this want a formula for when does the pain stop? What advice or what wisdom do you give to women experiencing this to understand, is there a grief cycle and are there similar things you see with each case? And if not, how do you encourage them to keep going through? Well, actually, Sunny, if it's okay, I'd love to circle back to what Chris said, because I wanted to add. So when we're looking at these moms coming into uh, the program, one point of consideration is ambiguous loss. So we know that they've physically lost a child, right? But there are so many other losses that are really layered into the grief process that are, are simultaneously occurring. It could be loss of trust in, in the medical institution that served them. It could be loss of trust in their bodies and what occurred that they could feel guilt um, or shame if they weren't able to carry a baby full term. Um, there can be loss of trust in the world. The world becomes like a really scary place. Um, an ambiguous loss would be uh, losing the hoped for, right? Those milestones that the moms really had carried with them throughout their pregnancy, whether it was like their baby's first steps or first words, watching them graduate uh, high school or college, watching them get married. So there's so much that is uh, carried into the grief cycle uh, for these moms, and it definitely looks uh, different uh, for everyone. So as you had mentioned, um, for me personally, I meet the mother where they're at. So a lot of people like to look at the Kubler-Ross model, and we believe, oh, grief has this cycle. But that was actually created for individuals who were dying, not for people who are grieving. So I like to say that um, we don't give participation trophies for grieving. You can't get an A at being a good griever. And I really like to meet the moms where they're at, right? So grief 
um, and the cycle of grief is different from, for everybody. So Noelle touched on it, you know, uh, earlier where it changes day to day. It can be hourly too, where some people come in so angry. Some people come in to the program lost and confused and trying to make sense of the senseless. So the, uh, the emotional states of every mother are different and the process of uh, grieving looks different. Grief is not forever. It's the loss that is forever. And so it's helping them um, not move on, but move through. How does that look practically, Chris, as you work with some of these women? I know that you, like Jenna said, you do meet people where they're at and everything is unique. But for people who are listening that might not have access right now to counseling or therapy, is there anything you ever advise women to try to do to shift perspective or to begin healing on their own? Uh, well, first of all, find someone. If you can't uh, have counseling right now, find other people that you can talk to. Find a grief group. Find grief share in a church near you. Find other people where you can talk about your loss. The the thing that when you're when you isolate that grief, mm -hmm. that's when it it compounds it on itself. Like you have to talk about what you've experienced, and you have to talk about that child. Like you, a lot of people, unfortunately in a loss will not say the baby's name. I'm so sorry. Um, gosh, you know, you can have another one or it was God's plan, all the things, but they never say, tell me about baby, whoever. And did you have a chance to talk about Finley with many people or did you experience that too? That people had a sort of delicate way of talking about it with you without mentioning her. I think people got tired of it. I, I, well, it was perceived by me that people were tired of hearing about her. So I just, I would just stop talking about it after a while. I just felt like I was that person like, Oh, here comes that lady. It's like, I had the scarlet, the, the, the a on me, like, here she comes. Let's see what she's going to talk about today. So it just, I just felt like people were over it after a while. That's awful. That must've been a really lonely feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that was uh, that, you know, we talk, I, we haven't touched on it yet, Sunny, but secondary losses. I know Jenna did a little bit, but that was actually one of my things that was the hardest. And I was, since I was no longer a mom in my mind, obviously no longer a wife, um, I felt like I just didn't fit in anymore. How did you deal with that? It's been taken, I, I actually think <laughs> it's taken years, even up until last year to finally say, like, although those things may not be in my cards again, or, or they're not, that's not me right now, I'm still okay. Like, this is who I am in this moment. It, it was really like this, like temper tantrum I was having with like, my former self and my now new self. What do you, Jenna, someone walking into your office or zooming, I guess, with you these days, bringing the, the, what exactly what Noelle is saying to the table for you, um, the multiple losses, the losses of identity, losses of potential losses of child. Uh, it feels like a big, a big sort of thing to tackle. Um, where do you start with something like that? And is the experience that Noelle is mentioning about, um, anger underlying pretty typical? 
Um, that's a great question. So uh, one I had mentioned earlier, I meet them where they're at. It's really a holding environment for them to bring in whatever they need. But I look at it like I'm emotionally triaging, right? So the first thing that's uh, causing them the most pain is where I start. And it's because the first thing that I want to do for my clients is give them some emotional relief. They're, they are carrying so much. So when you're looking at the secondary losses, it's typically touched on and acknowledged and validated that it's real. Um, but it's not typically the focus. Um, you mentioned anger. Anger is so common, right? So after a loss, anger at, um, say, the hospital or facility, anger at a spouse or partner, anger at friends, anger at God, anger at um, yourself. And so it's, it's creating a space to normalize an emotionally painful experience, um, and a healthy environment so that the moms aren't going out and, um, experiencing say anger in public places or taking it out at, you know, on like someone at Starbucks or whatever. So it's like, Hey, I see you and this sucks. And what happened to you is terrible and awful. And let's talk about it. You, you have permission to feel angry. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's not only a bit taboo. Um, I think in the category of grief, I think as women as a whole, um, you know, we, we try to stuff the anger down a bit. And so that's where therapy, it's like, it's holding the space and normalizing that, that emotional experience for them. Chris, how can people close to those who have experienced, in this case, infant loss or pregnancy loss, be supportive and make a woman feel heard? What do you encourage? And this is not from a clinical perspective, but just from a friend and family. And like Noelle was saying, the people that she encountered every day, how can we show up for these women? Well, I think when, when they're experiencing anger, Anger is one of those emotions that moves us. And when we are stuck because everything that we had hoped for is lost now, we have to move. We want to move out of that space. We want to move out of that emotional space. And so anger moves us. Mm -hmm. But you, the people around need to understand that anger's real name is grief. And so when anger is being portrayed when the people are nasty to you and they don't return your calls and they don't return your texts, understand that that's not about you. That's about the grief that they are feeling. And that just needs to come out in some way. I always say like, like a, like a tea kettle, you got to let something out or that just that steam comes out and it's ugly. And it might happen in the middle of target. It could happen when you're talking to your best friend, but it will come out. Mm -hmm. Noel, I see you nodding your head. Yeah, Sunny, I can remember uh, being in uh, like a local Marshalls or something. And this lady was just being awful to her kid. And I, this was probably two weeks or three weeks after she died. And it just, you want to talk about flew all over me. And I think I said something and then I stormed out of the store. And I kept thinking to myself, like, I'm going to get arrested if I cannot get this under control. Because my my pain and my grief was just spewed all over other people. Yeah, I mean, and understandably, I I think, like I said before, people people probably want Jenna and Chris um, a formula. They want an understanding, and it has to be from your clinical perspective. One of the more frustrating things about your job not being able to say, 
all right, here's the date when this is going to feel a little less intense for you um, because it is so big. Uh, people do. I mean, they come in and they're like, hey, uh, will I be over this in three months? Will I be over this in six months? Where will I be in a year? And the reality is grief has no timeline. There's no right way or wrong way to grieve. There's no formula. And so part of the process is sitting in the pain and the discomfort and truly processing the emotional pain. Like um, Chris said, uh, you know, anger is really grief. And so a lot of times anger can also be sadness. And so it's the acknowledgement that there is grief there and that there's sadness in the loss and, um, you know, being able to talk about it and sit with it and experiencing it so that you move through. And so some people can do that and, you know, say three months, which is really um, quick. <laughs> and, and some people it takes. It takes years. It, it really, um, Noelle mentioned something earlier about uh, making meaning out of it. It's making sense out of the senseless. And so I think as people move towards finding meaning in their experience or finding um, sense in the senseless, that is helpful in their journey of uh, healing. Chris, what's some of the work that you've been able to do? And, and again, I know your experience sort of spans beyond the Finley Project, but focusing really on the type of special work that they're doing, what's been the most rewarding thing or unique thing about working with this group from your perspective? Um, I think it the, the most rewarding part is to see them co go, like Noelle had said, uh, moms come in with their faces just blank. They, they can't feel any emotion. To walking through the deepest deepest part of their stories and to find that piece of hope that is still there and I can hold on to them, hold on to it for them for a while until I can give it back to them, until they're ready for it and they can move throughout the world. And at, at the beginning we talked about how grief is so big and it feels like a boulder that just sits on your chest. But eventually good, well-processed grief will be a pebble in your pocket. And when that pebble, you, you still will always carry that, but it will seem a lot easier and you can still move through life. So when you see the client come in and they said, I've had a good day, I always want to celebrate those good days. And I also want to let them know that it's okay that they had a good day because there's so much shame at having a good day. How could I have a good day? My baby died. But we celebrate that life moves and you can hold joy and you can hold sorrow at the same time because of your humanity. Oh, that's so beautifully said. I'm marking the time code of that one. Um, I want to share that because I think that's kind of what we keep circling around here is there is a unique experience that everyone has if they go through this, but it would be helpful to me to know that even though there's no formula, even though there's no one size fits all, that you there is light at the end of the tunnel. And Jenna, I'll let you sort of take that same question to, in your experience, what may, has made your work with the Finley Project so special versus other things that you've done? Um, I, I mean, there, there are a couple of things. Number one, um, being able to hold the hope for the mothers before they're ready to hold it for themselves. And then um, kind of a re-entry 
of the moms into joy. I think Chris mentioned being able to hold both feelings simultaneously. And I think that there's such a strength in the word and. So there is a process where oftentimes mom feel a lot of guilt and shame for feeling happy and joyous or attending parties or moving on with their life. And so it's encouraging them to, uh, you know, be able to be in the grief phase and have joy and watching them move through it and then being able to accept that joy is part of life on the other side is incredibly beautiful. Um, Noelle, as we wrap things up here, being the person who brought this project into existence, in addition to the tremendous pride you must feel at that, I'm curious to know what happiness looks like to you now, having lived through what you've lived through. Oh, happiness is, is today. Happiness for me is living for the day. And, you know, I never thought that this would be my life. Um, but it's really kind of like taking a look back over my shoulder and going, you know what? Oh my gosh, I made it through it. And so, and I'm here today. Um, and so for me, it's really just being in the moment. And we'll round out ladies um, by just reminding everybody, is there anything that you want to especially call attention to that you guys are working on that someone out there who might be in need of services could kind of reach out to get in touch with and, Noelle, I'll let you take that first and then Chris and Jenna as well. Sure. Yeah. We're just, I mean, more than anything, we want people out there to know that they're not alone and that our organization is here to walk with them um, through their loss. So if they need to get, you know, hold of us, if they're interested um, to go to our website, it's thefinleyproject.org. Um, and if, if there's anybody listening that has gone through a loss that has been trying to figure out, like, how do I give back? We are actively looking for women to work with our moms, like to be that peer person. Um, so there's, there's, you're, it's never too late. You're not, there's no age limit on that. We have women that give back all ages. So, uh, that, that can also be found on the website. Chris and Jenna, anything you guys want to add before we pop off? Um, my practice is in Winter Springs, and um, I deal with mostly women's issues. And, and I'm a strong advocate for women to use their voice. But also, one of the things that I love to do is not just the grief work, but the work that sets a woman free to the things that have hurt her in the past, too. Ooh, you're speaking my language, Chris. Okay, I love that. And tell us your practice website and or social channels if anybody wants, and the name too. I don't think we covered the name of that. So the yeah, my practice is, uh, it's www.fivestonescounseling. It's the, the word five.com. And I'm in Winter Springs and um, come find me. Awesome. All right, Jenna, you're up. Um, beyond the grief and working with the Finley Project, I work with individuals, I like to say, individuals who look like they are put together, I help them feel put together. So that looks like self-worth, self-esteem, um, protective factors against burnout, uh, career changes, uh, life transitions. Um, and my practice is in downtown Orlando and it's called Mend Orlando. And you can find me on the gram. I'm under uh, Mend underscore with, and then underscore Jen. And, and as professionals in this field, can you just validate the one thing that I always say, ladies, which is no one is as put together as they look on the outside. We're all messy. We all need, I mean, I have to bang that drum because social media is just doing a number 
on real life right now. So, so true. So true. I agree. Yes. Oh my goodness. Ladies, you have all been such a pleasure and inspiration. Noel, thank you for being candid and raw and sharing your story. Chris and Jenna, thank you for sharing your professional advice. And as I said in the beginning of the episode here, guys, I will put all of their information in show notes so you guys can check that out. Thank you again, all of you for coming on. Thanks for awesome. having me. Thank you. Thank you everybody so much for listening to this episode of We Gotta Talk. You know, this is one of those issues that is just not easy. To discuss. It's not easy to ask questions about um, because so often with grief, uh, we turn inward. And, you know, while I am far from an expert um, in any of these topics, it really was enlightening to me as someone uh, who, who knows people who've experienced this to see how to support those women around us in the best possible way who've experienced this. So, uh, a huge, huge thank you to Noelle for being candid, for sharing with us that her journey has been anything but easy. Um, I'm grateful that she shared as many details with us as she did about what it's like to try to heal from something like this. And in doing so, created just an incredible group and an incredible resource for women who also need that support. I really, really encourage you to check out the Finley Project's website. Their whole seven-step holistic healing program is just so revolutionary, in my opinion. Uh, you heard Noelle and um, Chris and Jenna discuss these often overlooked components of support during these critical times, things like um, cleaning services for the home or or meal planning, these things that don't get addressed when you're talking about healing from grief, typically. So I just love the work that they're doing and am so, so glad to be able to shine a light on the good work and um, information they're getting out there. Thank you to Jenna. Thank you to Chris. And of course, thank you to Noelle. Check out their website at finleyproject.org or follow them on Instagram at the Finley Project. That's F-I-N-L-E-Y. I'm on Instagram as well at Sunny Abata, S-O-N-N-I-A-B-A-T-T-A. We share a ton of um, show clips, um, fun facts, a reel every now and then. Anything that relates to the show can always be found there. So definitely check that out and give it a follow. WeGottaTalk.com is the site. If you'd like to read more articles, I do a ton of write-ups on all of these episodes so that people can go and um, read about our guests as well. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I am grateful for you and the time you spent with me today. Please rate, review, and subscribe. That makes a huge difference. And I'll see you back here next week with more right here on We Gotta Talk. Bye.